Well, I hope your Christmases are good. Uh, kids are dismissed. I guess I can do that, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I see lots of kids. Um, so we got through Christmas, and we're we're less than uh, well two days, right? Today's December thirtieth. Um, so have you thought about New Year's resolutions? Um, a lot of people do. Um, they say, researchers have said, about one in three Americans make a New Year's resolution every year. And um, so, um, just throwing it out there, what are some typical resolutions, New Year's resolutions? Lose weight. Lose weight, right? That's kind of like the first one for a lot of people. What else? Save money. Save money. <laughs> oh, they know each other. Um, yeah, saving money, getting out of debt, uh, cutting off the credit cards, that kind of stuff. What else? Eating healthy. Reading the Bibles. Yeah, your spirituality, all parts of that. Uh, some of you may have some bad habits that you're trying to kick. A lot of people uh, quit smoking uh, in January. And it's... Uh, you know, so the numbers that join Weight Watchers and the gyms in January goes way up. Do you know what sales go down in January? Cigarettes and alcohol. Cigarettes and alcohol. It's the lowest point of the year is in January. And everything goes back in February. Well, I mean, it's human nature to want to do better, and I get that, but it's also human nature to fail, right? Most resolutions last three days to three weeks. And, and another research, I mean, this is depressing, but another researcher said that about 10%, only 10% of the people that make New Year's resolutions are still have them at the end of the year. So... Um, that's tough. So why? Why is it, why is it so hard to change? I, I think, well, there's a few reasons. Number one, I think um, we oftentimes set unrealistic goals. Like, I'm going to eat a salad every day. I'm going to exercise an hour. I'm going to read my Bible 30 minutes a day. I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. And um, I'm going to stop swearing. You know, and then a few days into it, um, it's just overwhelming. Things start falling by the wayside. Situations happen. You may want to change, but your circumstances may not have changed, right? Um, or uh, people underestimate how difficult it is. And they think, oh, this is, this is nothing. I mean, cigarettes is the hardest habit to break. Harder than heroin, apparently. And uh, people will quit and restart again, but that's very, very difficult. And if they have stressful jobs, uh, we talk about stress eating and there's stress smoking and drinking, etc. So you have to deal with those issues as well. And we'll talk a little about that later. Um, some people, um, you know, have this pattern of quitting something hard uh, when, thing, when difficulty comes. So they've grown to expect and accept failure. And so they're like, you know what, I don't want to do this to myself again. I already feel bad about myself, so I'm not going to make any New Year's resolutions. I understand the fear of failure, but at the same time, we all have things in our life that we should be doing better. And so January is considered the perfect time to do that. Now, why is that? Well, the Romans had a god named Janus, J-A-N-U-S, where we get our word January. And this god was 
supposedly the God of new beginnings, uh, doorways, transition, and change. And he was said to have at least four, two faces, maybe even four, but at least two. One that looked back and he's got this really ugly grimacing face and one hopeful looking forward. And so the Romans understood the idea that at the start of a new year, you can't help but be hopeful for improvement. And this is something we should consider doing, not out of, just out of a general desire to improve ourselves, but with the specific goal, if you are a Christian, your lives are supposed to be about becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, we're not going to make it perfect this, you know, in this lifetime, uh, but, you know, we're going to get to heaven. I think one of the goals should be, it shouldn't be such a tough transition from here to heaven by the time you get there. If you're working on your spirituality, your godliness now, Paul said to Timothy, train yourself to be godly for physical training has some value. So it's valuable to exercise and eat better, all those things. Um, so physical training has some value, but Paul says godliness has value in all things. So don't get me wrong, joining a gym uh, changing your diet, kicking a bad habit, it's all good stuff. But the And the reason for that is that our bodies are supposed to be the temples of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. You are a special vessel of God to the world. And I think our bodies need to reflect the fact that we house the Holy Spirit inside of us, and so we need to take care of our bodies. That's a good thing. But we're not going to talk about that today. I'm not going to go into the Daniel diet or the, you know, Weight Watchers. We're not going to go into those kind of things. We are going to talk about character, though, and how um, becoming like Jesus should be really important. So what character of Christ would you like to see yourself be better at? And let me help your, your thoughts a little bit. Let's just go with the fruit of the Spirit, because this verse overwhelms me uh, and how much improvement. Let's start with love. Do you have relationships, a spouse, that you could be loving better? Someone you take for granted, maybe. Uh, maybe there are people in your family, in your job, that are really hard to love. Like, you, you know, like I don't even want to like them, you know, much less love them. You need the power of God to help you love better. What about joy? This is one that I struggle with, though I'm very, very, um, you know, energetic, etc. Um, I have to work very hard on complaining because I just, I'm a complainer. And that steals my joy. And yet joy is supposed to be one of the fruit of the Spirit. Is that something you could be working on? More joy in your life. Choosing to look more positively at things that are going on around you. Love, joy, peace. How many people live chaotic lives most of the time? Um, yet God is the God of peace. It's supposed to be one of the fruit of the Spirit. Is peace. Do you need more peace in your life? How do you make yourself, how do you simplify your life and, and do things that bring order and peace into your life? Maybe that's a goal that's worth pursuing. What about patience? Uh, I'm not too good on this one, especially when I drive on 95. But we won't get into that either. Um, patience is very hard. There are people that push your hot buttons. And it's very difficult to be patient with some people or with things because everything is so fast that goes on. These are all interconnected. Let's go to the last one, self-control. How many people need to work on self-control? All of us. And if you say that self-control is not a, 
issue, then uh, see me after the service about lying, because you've really got to address that. <laughs> Self-control is one of those things that, you know, controlling what you eat and, and controlling um, self-control, self-discipline, um, those are really hard things um, to work on, and these are all can be over, overwhelming. But let's see what God says about making resolutions about committing to moving forward in our lives and not looking back. So would you turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Philippians chapter 3. If you're taking a pew Bible, uh, ch chair, it's not a pew Bible, but it's a chair Bible, um, in front of you, you can turn to page 981. We're going to look at Philippians 3. Um, Paul had just been talking about all the things that he had been doing. Um, and Paul was very gifted. He was a scholar, brilliant, spoke several languages. He was, he was just an incredible man. But look at verse 7. I'm going to read verses 7 through 14. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, or for the sake of knowing Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there are three things here, uh, three components of this whole little talk about, and he uses the analogy of pressing forward and this idea of the Olympics, and we'll see that in Hebrews in a few minutes. But first, if you want a new start, then you have to forget the things which are behind you. Listen to his wisdom in verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. So if you're hoping to change, then you need to forget about your failures uh, because they will hold you down. You need to confess them before God and move on. If what you have done um, as a Christian is covered under the blood of Christ, and according to the Bible, every sin you commit is forgiven because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from your sin, then you have to quit obsessing over it. God promises forgiveness based on our union with Christ. And John said that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And therefore, Paul said, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Some people, well, they might be able to forgive others, but they don't know how to forgive themselves. They don't know how to receive Christ's forgiveness. Uh, but you know what? In Psalm 103, God, God was trying to drive this message across that, you know what, your sins, when they're forgiven by my son, I separate them as far as the east is from the west. As far as it can go, I don't bring it up. 
I don't go back to the past. It's been forgiven. We've been given Christ's righteousness. I started a uh, Christian recovery group called Celebrate Recovery many years ago. And... Um, uh, in my former church, and we're currently working on beginning a Celebrate Recovery right here in Elkton at the Paris Foundation. And we need a lot of people to make it work, so please feel free to see myself or my wife or Lisa Welch or Dan Nagel, and we can tell you more about what we're hoping to do uh, in late spring uh, about bringing recovery, Christian recovery, uh, to those with addictions. Um, but one of the things that we're famous for saying in Celebrate Recovery is this, and I love it. Failure is not falling down. Failure is staying down. Failure is not falling down, it's staying down. And especially if you deal with sins over and over, these same issues that you struggle with, and it's important to struggle. If you're not struggling, then there's an issue, and that's a different conversation. But if you struggle with your sin, and, and you fall again, and you're so ashamed, you know what? What Satan wants you to do is just keep you down, pinned on the ground, wallowing in guilt and shame, instead of standing back up and humbly confessing those sins and believing by faith that God's forgiven you and that you don't bring them up again. That's what God does. And so failure is not falling down because we all fall down, but the failure comes when we don't get back up. Now, I'm not in the least attempting to diminish the awfulness of sin, but I am here to remind you of God's word that says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? He's a new creation. The old things have passed away, the all things have become new. Now, we don't always feel like a new creation, right? Especially when we sin. But the fact of the matter is, we're not what we used to be. We're not what we're going to be. But the past is the past. And when God forgives us, who are we to have to add to the power of the cross by staying in guilt and shame? Don't let past failures define you. When Paul looked back, he saw a lot of things he was ashamed of. He persecuted the church. He got Christians killed. But he didn't keep bringing up all those things. Christ had forgiven him. God no longer saw Paul the way uh, he was. And God doesn't see you the way you used to be as well. To dwell on the past is dooming you to repeat it. Just look at the difference between the windshield of your car and the rear view mirror of your car. Which one is smaller? The mirror. You know, because we don't dwell, we don't drive our car staring at the rearview mirror the whole time. You know, the windshield is large because we got to keep our eyes forward and not always look back. Any of you had parents who had like, don't make me come back there. You talk to the kids in the rearview mirror and they're all making, you know, my dad would, you know, flip the visor and he'd threaten us and stuff like that. So he looked back a little bit too much, um, having four kids in the station wagon. But generally speaking, we keep our eyes forward. So when you get in the car, you see the rearview mirror, remind yourself you're to look forward, not dwell on what's behind behind you. You also need to let go of present sins. Do you guys have anything that you just aren't even uh, talking to God about? Um, I've had times in my life like that. Like somehow if I don't bring it up to God, he won't bring it up to me. Um, or he'll forget that it's there. But it, we're only fooling ourselves. Um, so let's 
talk about that for a couple of minutes. Keep your fingers in Philippians and move forward to Hebrews chapter 12. That's page 1008, 1008. Let's look at Hebrews 12. This is another passage that talks about running a race. And I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Hebrews 12, just 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, let's stop there. Who are they talking about? People ask me all the time, can my loved ones in heaven see me? And I'm like, the Bible doesn't specifically address it, but it does say here, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, the Olympic races, especially back then, the people that had run the races and won in previous races, in previous years, sat there to cheer on the new runners. And so they had their crowns. They had already received the crowns. They had already finished the race. So what are these witnesses? Well, it's the whole list of people in Hebrews 11. We're surrounded by these witnesses who have already finished their race. Okay, let's keep reading. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So, you know, the first thing you do when you enter a race is you take off the extra clothing. Your jacket, warm-up suit, even your watch. You don't want anything to slow you down from having your best time in a race. Now, suppose I decided to run a marathon in a suit and tie and dress shoes. Or let's, worse yet, suppose I ran the Boston Marathon in a sleeping bag. And I pull the sleeping bag up and the gun gets fired, and I start hopping down. You would think I'm crazy. Why? Because nothing should, you know, so you have these really lightweight sneakers and real, you know, thin clothing and everything. Nothing should slow you down. So Paul used this analogy to tell us, listen, when you're in a race, you know, you have to let go of sin and the weight that weighs you down. So, um, so the issue of sin is really, really important. If we're going to run the Christian life, we've got to let go of the sin issues that are going on in our life because sin hinders us from full participation in the Christian life. If I could use a different metaphor, it's like getting dirt and smudge in your car's carburetor. Now, some of you are saying, well, what's a carburetor? But if you are older, you know what a carburetor is. Dirt and debris can get into a carburetor and pollute the fuel, causing the pistons to misfire and making the car run at lower efficiency. And if enough dirt and gunk gets into it, eventually the car breaks down and doesn't run at all because the car can't run on dirty fuel. Well, willful, unconfessed sin hinders your progress in your run uh, with Christ. It slows you down. It'll pollute you. And eventually you can have a complete spiritual breakdown if you don't clean it out by confessing to God and forsaking it. But notice Paul also says, he uses the word weights. Now what are weights? Well, those are excess things uh, that aren't necessarily sin in of themselves, but can pull you down and slow down your Christian life. Now they're going to be different for us. Um, your weights that hold you back may not be the weights that hold me back. Um, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful. In other words, all things are permissible, but not everything is helpful. And 
okay? And then he repeats it and says it a different way. All things are permissible, but I will not be mastered or controlled by anything. So in some of these areas of life, you may as a Christian be okay in doing this, but anything can become a God and you can't be weighed down. And so there are various different things. For me, for example, right after Thanksgiving, I joined a gym that I could walk to from work and have been doing this um, Monday through Friday and then I do some light exercising over the weekend. I'm, I feel like there's a temptation to be obsessed, like to stand on the scale multiple times a day and to just control like, how do my muscles look, staring in the mirror, da 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 da, da. I, I have a couple dangers here. And one, I could start like, oh, you're good looking, you, you got this, you know, I could start glorifying myself and becoming like a god to myself. That's dangerous. Or I could be glorifying exercise to the point where after um, Deb and I have had our time together um, at night, I choose to exercise instead of having my devotional time. It starts consuming me. Alcohol in small amounts may be okay for some people in moderation. But for other people, it'll destroy you. You know what sin issues are for you. Uh, these are the weights that you need to let go if you're going to run the Christian life with energy and passion. Jesus talks about cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye. Not literally, but go to, you need to go to serious extremes for some of these sin issues in life. If you've been dealing with the same issues for years and years, ask yourself, what have I not done to get rid of this thing that's haunting me. Your Christian life gets stagnant. You see, I, I really believe in my life as a Christian, I've been walking with Jesus for almost 40 years. I have found that my life is like um, stones, uh, stepping stones. And God says, you know what, right now I want you to really work on this area of your life. It's out of control. You need to surrender this to my will. And I work on it with God and I pray and I get people involved and I start seeing some improvement in this area. And then God says, okay, I want you to start working on this in your life too, but don't forget about this. I, and, and it's all beyond us, actually, and we're going to talk about that too. But are there things in your life that you're stagnant because you can't get from here to that stone without addressing this one? And God will keep asking you to address it until you start working on it with him. Okay, so not only should we forget about the things behind us, Number two, we need to focus on the things that are before us. Listen to it again in Philippians. You can let go of Hebrews. Back to Philippians 3 now. Uh, verse 13, second half of 13 and 14. Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, Paul's alluding to the Olympic athlete who races in competition for a prize. He runs with all his might, and as he approaches the finish line, you ever seen people run, and they, they extend their chest and try to bend forward, hoping to get that millisecond faster than maybe the person right next to you, and they strain toward going ahead. And Paul's kind of alluding to that, running with all your might, and as you approach the finish line, you lean into it. 
that runner, when he gets to that finishing line, he's not thinking about behind him. He's trying not to focus on what's even going around him. He's like, this is where I need to go. And if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you know uh, that evangelist meets Christian and says, do you see that light? Keep your eyes on that. Keep your eyes on the goal. A race demands our whole self, everything we have. To ser and serving the Lord requires everything that we have. Um, and so it's not as important what happened behind. How many of you get Christmas letters in the mail? Uh, my wife and my daughter and I opened a bunch of cards last night at dinner, and there were several that had these long letters, and we'll, we'll eventually get them. Don't be offended if you <laughs> sent one to me. I'll get to it. Um, I, and I do love hearing about what's happened in the past, but I'm much more excited as a person at what's happening right now in your life. What's going on? What's God doing in your life right now? So where are you? What are you doing right now? Are you serving the Lord with excellence? Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So if you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. If you're an engineer, a mechanic, if you um, serve the poor and, and feed the homeless, whatever God puts on your heart to do, do it with all your might. Bring glory to God in every aspect of your life. Keeping the goal in sight. What's the goal? Paul explains in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize. See, the goal is Jesus, is meeting Jesus. Um, there's, a, there's a hymn writer named Fanny Crosby uh, who was blind from, uh, I think, age one. And um, she wrote thousands of hymns on, under different pen names. And... Uh, she finally came to a church where a pastor kind of had that faith-believing thing and says, God doesn't want you blind. I want to pray for your healing. And she says, please don't. Please don't. Number one, I don't think I could write the hymns that I am writing if I had my sight. And second, when my eyes are finally open, the first face I want to see is Jesus. Certainly not yours. Well, she didn't say that, but, you know, she might have been thinking that. That's the, that's the incredible amount of faith. Her eyes were so fixed on Jesus. She wrote these hymns of things that she's never seen. But if you read Fanny Crosby hymns, there are lots of pictures of light and beauty and heaven. It's amazing. Our goal has to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, who also ran the race, by the way and finish the race for us, but he calls us to run the Christian life to become more like him. Our goal should be is when we take our last breath and we face Jesus, we hear the words, well done. Well done. Serving the Lord with all our might is the greatest way we have of worshiping him. All the crowns we receive in heaven will be casting at his feet. You know that hymn, holy, holy, holy. Casting down their cold and crowns around the glassy sea. I, for one, don't want to be found empty-handed on that day. The ultimate goal for any Christian is to be honoring the Lord to hear his well done. So, as we stand on the brink of this new year, ask yourself, what can I do this year that will help me bring more glory to God? What areas of my life do I need to surrender to God and uh, allow him to work with me in conquering these things in my life that are not pleasing to him? We, do, we don't do it so God will love us. So be careful with this. All this stuff I'm saying, you're not doing because um, you'll get into heaven that way. 
You know, heaven is by faith. Peter talked about this on Christmas Eve. God has given us a gift that we can never deserve. But we grow in godliness in response to his love. That's, a, that's an important difference. And then finally, not only do we forget the things that are behind and focus on the things that are before us, third, we have to fulfill those things that are beyond us. Now, I'm sure most of us have things in our life that you're like, you know what? I have no idea how I'm going to change this. I don't know how I'm going to conquer this thing in my life. This is bigger than me. Uh, the issues that I got going on in my life, I just don't even know how to deal with them. They're so big. I understand that. Not that I have already attained. Listen to Paul, verse 12. Not that I've already attained or been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Nothing is as deadly as self-satisfaction. But you know what? And we feel like, oh, I've worked really hard. I've conquered a lot of things. I've gotten a lot. Imagine the Apostle Paul just saying, you know what? Oh, my back's killing me. All those missionary journeys, all that walking, you know, being stoned, sacrificed, uh, you know. Uh, I think I'm ready for retirement. You know, the Apostle Paul never did that. It was only when he was about to die that he said, I have finished the race. But here, he's making it very clear, verse 12, not that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. That's my goal. God's not finished with us. We are still a work in progress. When uh, I spent the last 30 years in Westchester, and when our kids were younger, we would take them to the Exton Mall. Now, the Exton Mall, for a while, was a very run-down mall, and then they decided to do major reconstruction, added a level, made it really beautiful. But it seemed like forever you would see these signs in the mall that said, pardon our, pardon our appearance, we're under reconstruction. I would like to have that on a t-shirt. You know? <laughs> I mean, all of us could say that, right? Pardon my appearance, we're under reconstruction. None of us have attained, none of us have gotten there yet. God, we're a work in progress. I like that. If I found that shirt, I'd probably buy it. Every morning you wake up and your heart is still beating and you feel a pulse, you should be thanking God. And I'm trying to do this every morning. Just say, God, this is a new day you have made. I will rejoice uh, because it's a day that I can become more like Christ. And I could touch somebody's life. And I can make a difference. If you get up in the morning and with a pulse and a heartbeat, God's got something for you to do. To work on for yourself as well as blessing others. Paul wasn't going to be satisfied until he took his last breath, giving his all to Jesus. We need to do the same. The fact is the Christian life really is beyond us on our own strength. Serving the Lord with perseverance and power is beyond our strength. And as we look at the call of God upon our church to reach the people in our community with nothing but Jesus, that's beyond us, beyond our own strength. But God is able to do great things through people who are just not satisfied, who want more. Who want more out of life, who want to do more for Christ. So, back to the New Year's resolutions. If you're looking to make changes in your life, forget what's behind you. Keep your eyes forward and believe God can use you to do things that are beyond you.
I don't want you to be discouraged. Philippians 1.6, God tells us, uh, Paul says this, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God started this work in you and God's going to finish it. Would you cooperate with him more in 2019? Will you just say, God, I'm going to stop fighting you on, on these things in my life and, and work with you to, to make these changes? Don't give up. Don't get discouraged by short-term failure. When you fall down, get back up. Confess and move on. But don't abandon the process. We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And I'm going to lead you in a little time of prayer as we finish. Uh, so would you uh, just bow your heads, get settled and quiet, close your eyes. And, um, you know, it's so easy when you're in church and you hear a sermon that's challenging. Um, you're like, okay, I'll, we'll talk about this later. I'll take this to prayer tonight. I think some things are really good in the moment. To, to address them. And God's here, and God's with us, and um, let's take advantage of that and spend a little time with him right now. So in your heart, um, would you start by just ask God to forgive you for things in your past? It might have been this morning already. It might have been yesterday. Uh, things that you haven't confessed that are on your heart. Ask God to forgive you for the things in your past.
get up, to stand up, to get back in the race, and start fighting, fighting, running, 